Good morning, Ball Watchers. We have a special one for you today on this special edition of Ball Watching. We have an interview with Brooke Grimsley, a St. Louis-based sportscaster, sports reporter, sports anchor. Many of you might already know her or be familiar with her work most recently at KMOV, where she's been there for... I believe four or five years and is now transitioning into a role with 101 ESPN on the opening drive, co-hosting with Randy Carricker and Carrie Davis, two legends and respective big voices in St. Louis covering the sports scene. So happy for her to be on that show. We love the show here at Ball Watching. Encourage y'all to check it out on 101.1 ESPN. Brooke is and has been a a focal point in, in reporting on sports in the St. Louis scene for a couple of years now, covering the Blues, the Cardinals, and most recently getting into City as well. And her excitement around the team is incredible. We hope you all feel that. It's infectious, and and we were really excited to pick her brain about how she got into sportscasting, what it's like to be in that realm of things. I know a lot of us probably have questions, uh, so hopefully we covered a couple of those in our interview with her, but she's a great person to talk sports with in, in St. Louis as she's been here for a couple of great moments in our history. So, Brooke, welcome to the show. Uh, we loved having you on, and without further ado, we'll hop right into it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, a very exciting interview we have here at Ball Watching, a St. Louis City SC podcast. We are welcoming in here today Brooke Grimsley, a sportscaster here in St. Louis. Uh, many of you might know or even recognize her from her role as a sports reporter and sports anchor uh, for St. Louis at KMOV Channel 4. Uh, she spent five years at the network and has now decided to go back to sports radio and featuring on as a co-host for 101 ESPN's The Opening Drive, which I myself am a huge fan of. So, Brooke, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, I, it's funny because I've paid attention to what you guys have been doing, especially with the launch of City SC with their inaugural season. And I was like, that would be fun to go on. So this worked out perfectly that you guys asked me to go on here. So I'm super excited awesome. to chat with you guys. Good stuff. Yeah, we're extremely excited to have you. And I mean, first, we want to say congratulations on the new gig. Um, like Jake said, both of us listen to it on the drive to work. So excited to hear you every morning. And just kind of a quick question is what kind of was no pun intended, the driving force behind you <laughs> looking to go back into radio? I see what you did there. That's good. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's that's very low level journalism. You'll, yeah. you'll learn my vocabulary <laughs> is very high. Weeks. Well, you know, for me, I started out in Nashville, Tennessee. That's where I'm from originally. And so I grew up listening to sports radio. My, I'm an only child. My dad is like a sports nut. So there was never really like that talk of like, you know, no, this is just for guys or anything like that. It was like I was with him all the time. I feel like sometimes I told people like he wanted a son, but never told that to me. But I listened to sports radio with him all the time. He's a huge fan. That's how he likes to listen to games, too, and also likes to go to games. So I always thought, man, that'd be really cool. But I didn't really hear any women at that point in sports radio. So that's when about high school, I started looking towards TV. And so it's just been kind of like a full circle moment to be able to get back into radio, having interned in Nashville and working with 3HL and their shows obviously doing really well. And being able to find a way back into radio, I've been looking for every opportunity. And Randy Carricker with the opening drive has been huge on getting me into that show. I was like begging him. I'm like, let me fill in some. And then this all worked out perfectly. So it's been it's been an amazing journey. 
I love to hear that path too, Brooke. It, it feels like it started so organically for you. Like the juices were flowing when you were a child. And so you kind of, do you just maintain that momentum and just kind of thinking or dreaming about that as a child? Like, Hey, I'd love to be, you know, up there and, and talking about this or like, who are the teams you were kind of talking about or what were you listening to back then when you were in Nashville? Oh my gosh. Well, I feel like my first earliest sports memory and it's ironic because now I'm in the town that of course crushed my little childhood dreams. <laughs> that would of course be the St. Louis Rams with the greatest show on turf and the Titans in the music city miracle. I felt like that era of NFL football was just absolutely incredible. I mean, Steve McNair was like a national hero. I felt like in, in Tennessee, I remember like in first grade, we would practice. That's when you're learning to read and write. We would practice writing letters to him. And that was like one of my earliest memories. But, you know, that is when things really like clicked for me, like, wow, I like the feeling I get with covering sports and also just being in sports atmospheres. I love the behind the scenes stories behind it, too. And so once I got older and realized that that was actually an opportunity, especially for as a woman to be able to pursue that when I started to see more women involved in sports, not just on the sidelines. I always thought sidelines was cool, but I was like, I don't know if that's exactly what I want to do. I want to get do more storytelling. I want to be able to talk to people more, tell their stories, share my opinions. But then when I started to see more and more women in other roles in sports, that's when it was like, wow, maybe this is actually a path I can pursue. And that's what I want to go do. And you're obviously killing it. Uh, coming here to St. Louis and now with 101 The Drive in the morning, what made you choose St. Louis and to leave Nashville? I'm assuming we read a little bit more about you did a lot in college with all around sports, sports announcing, sport coverage. What made you leave Nashville? I know you went down to Arkansas for a little bit and came back up. What was, the, what was like the standout for St. Louis? Was it the market or the people? Obviously we have great sports teams, but I'm sure you could have went anywhere. So what kind of landed you here? So it, when I was in Nashville, of course, I would have loved to be able to start out in Nashville, but especially with the way that TV markets work, um, you can't just at that time start in like market 30. So the TV markets are kind of based on one is what you would assume being a New York, then LA and all that kind of stuff. So you kind of have to pay your dues in the, <laughs> in the TV yeah. broadcasting business, especially in sports. Um, so, you know, I was able to have that great experience in Nashville, um, interning with the radio station and as a sports intern with one of the local TV stations. And then I got a job in Arkansas, uh, covering the Razorbacks. So that was a very intense experience in the way of that's Razorback country, everything Arkansas. I mean, <laughs> it was like they lived, breeds, all that stuff. So that was a great experience of covering just an SEC team full time. Um, and then once my time was coming up there after two years, I started to look around at different opportunities in different cities that had availabilities open, just kind of listening to them. Uh, San Antonio was one of the other cities as well mm. that I was considering covering the Spurs. Um, but then when St. Louis popped up, of course, I knew St. Louis growing up, as I just told you guys, I knew the yeah. St. Louis Rams. <laughs> and then also I know the St. Louis Cardinals, too, because we had I was a college baseball fan. So Vandy boys, I would always follow where their careers went. A lot of them led them through the Cardinals organization. And so when that opportunity came up, I'm like, one, it's not that far from Nashville Two, If there's one thing that I know about St. Louis fans, just from the outside looking in is that they're a very passionate fan base and it's people who actually know sports. And then also knowing the broadcast legends that have come out of St. Louis too, 
I mean, as a sports broadcaster, that's uh, you talk about baseball heaven with the Cardinals, you know, and they talk about Bush Stadium. That's like sports heaven, right? Absolutely. <laughs> to, to yeah. come to a town where you have these broadcasting greats coming out of, still come to the city and that you can able you're able to network with them, but also talk to a fan base that knows their stuff. I mean, the first thing that stuck out to me when I went to a game at Bush Stadium and even a blues game at Enterprise Center is that there's a lot of moments where you can hear a pin drop. And that's not because people are uninterested. I think that's what people think. It's because they're taking in every single moment and they know the right times when to cheer. And so when you see that as a sports broadcaster, you're like, wow, I don't have to just talk to them about the basics of like, you know, so-and-so won a game. Like these fans get it. They know like every little detail of the game, they appreciate it. And that's exciting to talk to as a sports broadcaster. Absolutely. No, I, I, I love the way you describe kind of the fandom here because I definitely get those senses too, where enterprise can be loud and booming or Bush can be loud and booming, but could also be very almost eerily quiet. And I think that could be a good thing as well. I don't think it's because people are disinterested or anything. I think it's because they're studying or they're analyzing in their own head and rationalizing with what's going on around them. But Brooke, you've been here for a pretty good period of time for St. Louis sports as well. Do any specific stories or championships kind of stick out to you that have really highlighted your time so far here in St. Louis? Well, and that one's easy because I felt like my first year here, I got really lucky. I came here in 2018. So you guys know what was going on that year. We had the PGA championship was like my first time covering that, which was incredible seeing, you know, Tiger Woods and the way that fans followed him around and all the things that he had to say about Bell Reef Country Club and St. Louis in general was amazing. Then you take that into the blue season. So obviously that winter there were, the worst team in the NHL. And then to see that progression, that was my first season covering them, seeing them go from worst team in the NHL to Stanley cup champions following that journey. I'll never forget during February, we were in Jupiter, Florida for spring training and we were keeping up with the blues. But at that point it was kind of like, Oh, you know, I mean, they could go, they could make the playoffs, could not. And then all of a sudden that's when they had that 11 game win streak going on. And it was like, wait a minute. I think when we come back, it might be crazy. And then sure enough, it was like nonstop all the way until June. And just being on the ice for game seven, um, I mean, at that time, I felt like I didn't deserve it in a lot of ways because I had just gotten here, even though I had been covering the team that season. But at the same time, I was just like, man, what a start here to St. Louis and to be able to tell the story, having seen this progression for them just this season, understanding the history, what this meant to the franchise and fans. uh, I'll never forget that moment. I don't know if I will ever top that moment in my career. Good moment. Yeah. The first year here as well is absolutely insane. So, and you're saying in your career, so in St. Louis, you've been here for five years, past five years with KMOV. What is, could you give us a quick glimpse on like, what is the day in the life of a sports broadcaster as a KMOV? I know you mentioned on other interviews that you were looking more towards radio because the TV time is just that quick. It's like, I have a minute or two to get my thoughts out there and go, but what else do we, what else does the viewer not typically see that you can kind of fill us in on? Well, I think people don't understand sometimes how, especially local TV works. I think they think it's like the heyday of local TV when you had a five person sports department. Um, When I came to KMOV, it's, I was hired as a multimedia journalist. And so then I can shoot, write, edit, all my own stuff and put it on air and obviously host it as well. And I can transfer it over to web digital. 
And so I don't think many people even know what that is and know that that's what a lot of local TV people do now. So I, I mean, especially when the seasons are all going at the same time, there's like days where you're starting the morning over at Enterprise Center getting blues sounds uh, for morning skate. And then if, you know, it's around the time too that the Cardinals are starting their season, then you're going over there getting sound from then rushing back to the station, loading that in and then quickly editing it, producing it to go on air. There's a lot of people whenever I meet them in person and they're talking to me about, it, they're like, oh, so who writes your stuff? And I'm like, you're looking at it. Like, <laughs> it's right. It's yeah. right here. Sometimes a good thing, sometimes a bad thing. But, you know, it's either way. It's it's just me. So I think that that's the, the biggest thing. It taught me a lot of how to manage my time. Um, helped me a lot with storytelling. There was definitely a lot of like, you know, panicky moments of getting things on air. But I think that's the thing that people don't realize is how much stuff goes on behind the scenes just to get that few little minutes on air, which you were referring to. Um, and now with radio, I, I have so much time to talk about all that stuff. <laughs> so that's, that's something that I'm still kind of getting used to is like, okay, I was in that mind frame of brevity for so long to now I don't have to do that anymore. That's awesome, Brooke. And like just appealing back the curtain, I feel like you haven't even described like the time commit. You said it's hard to manage your time, obviously, of course, because you're just back and forth, almost like a marathon every day. I, I mean, those have to be super long days, like morning to to the like well into the evening. And I feel like as someone at the cutting edge of sports and trying to stay on top of the, the hottest news stories, you kind of got to always be on like describe what it's like to feel like that. Or do you feel like that? Yeah, I, it was, it's definitely intense in times of just trying to manage all that. Um, I think it was a great learning lesson of managing all that because then it's like, I started having like a little kind of like clock in my head of like, okay, I have this much time to get this interview and then I need to get back to the station and edit this. So it definitely helped with time management and, and dealing with the stress of that. But also I think it pushed me a lot as a sports journalist um, to not let excuses or things like that overwhelm me. You know, either way, I got to go on the air, put on a clean product. And people don't know what's going on behind the scenes as I revealed where people are like, I didn't know you did edited, wrote all that right. kind of stuff. And that's the part that you don't want people to know, right? You want to make it look easy and seamless on air. So just learning to manage all of that, I think, was a really good learning experience and kind of taught me a lot more about myself and what my abilities and what I can do. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think with how much time you spent in there, you had to have had an incredible amount of interviews. And not only that, but maybe stories behind the scenes, which if you had to pick one, at KMOB for the past five years, what is your favorite that you've had? Either in coverage or an incredible day. I mean, you already talked about game seven of Stanley Cup. Is that number one or what is your favorite story? I think that will always be number one. Um, that always stands out to me because just being on the ice, being able to talk to those guys, knowing, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. I remember that video that went around on Twitter of Vladimir Tarasenko talking about how bad they were and how angry he was, then fast forwarding to also talking to him on the ice about winning the Stanley Cup finally. So that was just like an incredible progression of that story to be able to cover that from kind of a start to finish in that way of just seeing how hard that was for him to succeeding and winning the Stanley Cup. Um, Interview-wise, you know, it's, it's hard to say because there's so many 
just great interviews of getting to know guys better. I approach interviews in the way of, I like to know what makes people tick. So especially with athletes, they all had, you know, that specific maybe like point in their life, that one turning point. Um, Even this past year, I did an interview with Brendan Donovan about how his military background kind of shaped him into the person that we see today where he's a utility player up for anything, even has like a military quote back on, you know, the back of his locker. And that's what I noticed because I also come from a military background and we just talked back and forth, turned into a great interview. So it's moments like that, that I, you know, always will cherish. And I think were great interviews of just knowing what got a player to this point, what different life experiences got them to this point. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And and you mentioned Brendan Donovan. I know you're a big Cardinals fan and been seeing you post on social media about Newt Bar and also being over there with Shohei Otani. What are the odds? Give someone (laughs) just, I I swear after this, we're going to talk soccer, but what do you think the odds are that he could kind of pull him into St. Louis? Oh man. Well, there is a language barrier right now between Lars Newtbar and Shohei Otani too. <laughs> Lars has been working on his Japanese, um, but they have, it seems like communicated through the pepper grinder. So I think that that's always <laughs> a good sign. Um, would I love Sho- Shohei Otani to be a Cardinal? Absolutely. That would be incredible. He's going to require a lot of money. <laughs> That's my only yeah. thing. Maybe, maybe Lars can convince him to do like a friend's discount or something like that. Because <laughs> other than that, I don't know how exactly they would pull it off. It would be absolutely perfect, though, if, if they could. But seeing Lars for Team Japan, that's huge. I mean, he's the first American-born player to go play for Team Japan. It's it's interesting. You see all the Japanese last names, and then there's just a newt bar. You know, yeah, incredible. <laughs> it's incredible, and his energy is infectious. I don't know if you guys also saw the video of all the little kids doing the pepper grind. It's amazing. It, yeah, it's countrywide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he has such a great personality. Great person. Um, extremely focused. I don't think Nolan Arenado spends time with you on the off season if he doesn't think you have a bright future. You know. Yeah, absolutely. That's very true. And I, that those videos and the picture of him whispering in his ear, like telling him like. I think Mike Ritter, obviously, shout out Mike for working with you at KMOV. He did a couple of the captions of like, they have an MLS team now. They're going even nuts for that. You got to come see it. And or they got toasted Rav. So I think <laughs> the memes that have come out have been hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully anything that we can get. We have great Japanese restaurants too. So <laughs> there we go. anything that convinces him. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brooke, we are, I swear, the St. Louis City SC podcast and we also like to talk to other people we talked to john mosaic maybe justin we should put in a note to him after this and make sure that otani goes through uh at some point yes, while we're here we um, <laughs> but uh brooke i mean so we we heard you at the first game listened to open drive a little bit this week and and heard a couple of your reactions but for the listeners here tell us what that that feeling was like we were also there but i love to hear i think you waxed poetic about how it was and probably better than much so than, than justin and i could but tell us how that first game kind of made you feel as a i would say like kind of a, a newer like but a st louis and you've been here for a good chunk now so we, we can we can grandfather you in yeah i feel like i feel like i've done all the st louis and things right yeah. i've had emo's pizza i've had toasted raps i had yep. blue butter cake so i feel like i've made the initiation perfect so. <laughs> um up. I think the first thing, because I even was thinking before I talked to you guys, I'm like, okay, do I look up like a super cool, unique word to describe this? And (laughs) I just came up with that on the spot. Um, But, and I was like, no, like the first word that comes to mind for me would be electric, right? I mean, you, you guys were there, you felt the energy 
I didn't know exactly what to expect because I also, I don't know if you guys went to that friendly as well. It was still an exciting energy, but yeah. it was extremely cold. And it wasn't, you know, obviously an MLS game in that sense. So it was a little bit of a different feel. So I didn't know what to expect. But just even walking into the stadium, seeing all the people lined up, partying outside over by Maggie O'Brien's and the pitch and all that stuff. And then I actually stood because media was allowed in early. I stood and watched people come in just because I wanted to see their reactions and just seeing like, the joy on everyone's face and everybody was stopping, taking photos, just taking it all in. And then they carried that energy into the stands and it was nonstop. I mean, the way that they also built it, I think they call it like a a canopy with the way that they have kind of like the roof in there. It has steel at the bottom of the roofing. So that way the sound bounces off and goes back into the stadium. So you feel like the energy even more you feel that constant sound vibration and that's why i say electric because it felt non-stop i i mean i felt like i was like sucked into the game myself i felt like i was on the field even though i was all the way up in the press box because of just the atmosphere that was created the fans everything to me from that experience just felt perfect yeah, I think they did an incredible job building it, not only with the canopy, but I think, what is it, Jake? 120 feet is the furthest that yeah. any seat is um, from the pitch, which is just yeah. insane to me that you feel, you really do feel like you're on top of it, which was absolutely awesome. How would you compare that to an opening day of Bush Stadium or a Blues or Cardinals playoff game? I know it's very early, but oh, man. did it top some of those? I mean, obviously we had Stanley Cup here, but in World Series a couple times, but what would you say as far as comparing those three? That's hard because it seems like every single one of them has their own different, unique thing. Opening day, it's so hard to beat that just because of, you know, the energy that's brought in there, the history that's brought in there as well. But that's what I liked about what City SC did with their home opener is that you're creating your own tradition right then and there, that day. And they did such a good job. Even the signs, like where all the signs flipped at that one point and you had the banner as well. Um, I mean, it just felt like nonstop energy. And I felt like that was what was different. Obviously, at a Cardinals game, you're not going to see people standing the entire time, you know, <laughs> screaming and cheering. And that's what I like that you already created kind of that new brand for City SC where it's like, okay, with Enterprise Center, this is the experience that you're going to get with the Blues. Obviously, hockey is exciting and playoff atmosphere. You can't beat that. But with Bush Stadium, you know, you're going to have a di- different atmosphere. And with City SC, it seems like it's going to be nonstop. You got to be in the game, involved with the game, all that. So I like how they already kind of created that different atmosphere that you'll get that you can't get with all the other stadiums. That's awesome. It's it's great to hear. I mean, because I, Brooke, give us your background quickly on soccer. Are you, did you play, you know, pretty competitively through a certain age or what's your interest level in soccer kind of heading into this experience? Oh gosh, I (laughs) wish I would have played soccer. Um, I've always enjoyed soccer. I did play by play in college for women's soccer. Um, So I've always enjoyed soccer in that aspect. And I always like kind of kick myself that I did, that I didn't at least give it a try when I was younger. I played tennis competitively growing up. Um, but I always enjoyed watching soccer and different things like that. So, and when I got to college, I started doing play by play for women's soccer, women's basketball, men's basketball. Um, so that's kind of my background with it. 
it certainly doesn't come off that way because like just listening to the opening drive these last couple of days, I feel like we're kind of looking to you as almost a de facto. Let's talk about City and and definitely partially because you went to that first game, but you definitely don't show it. I think you've picked it up relatively quickly and you've said you've already had you know experience uh, already kind of commentating on and, and broadcasting it. So we always love soccer fans. I mean, like I've soccer is one of those sports I feel like, and you might've seen this where sometimes the fans can kind of cannibalize each other. Like if you're not a big enough fan, then yeah. you're not a true fan. And I don't know if it's the same in different sports, but I definitely experienced that in soccer. But how would you describe, you know, just being at that first game, like the difference in fandom, we talked about standing up. We talked about like just electric energy. Uh, the the type of fans that go to soccer games, I feel like are a little bit different than other types of, uh, of like a blues game or a Cardinals game and demographics aside, but talk about the types of fans that like you experienced that when, when you were there, because I think it is a little bit different when you look at other types of sports venues. Well, and, and luckily when I came here, you still had, you know, another element of professional soccer here too. So I was able to get yep. familiar with the St. Louisans early on um, and understand that fan base. And I look, I've always followed MLS and things like that. And even when I came here too, that was another thing, uh, a great interview as we were talking about interviews is talking to Carolyn Kendall and seeing where she started from the beginning of really pushing for a team to come here to St. Louis and seeing that whole progression. And when I was in Nashville, Nashville, before I had left, was awarded an expansion team as well. So I got to see that progress. And that's what I tell people all the time is, I don't know, I, I think some people do. I, I don't know if people understand how lucky we are to have Carolyn Kendall and that ownership group going ahead and getting things started. And getting, you know, a, a whole stadium built, a training facility built, bringing in players a year early. And that even helped me as a journalist also understand the team more and understand what was being built here is being able to talk to those players earlier and see, talk to them about Bundesliga, talk to them about what that experience was like. Um, and when it comes to the fandom, too, I mean, the St. Louisans, knowing them for a while, like one of the first fan groups that I met when I came here I, I was like, okay, this is intense, but I like it. I like, people like that. I like people who are so dedicated to their favorite sport that they go all out like they do. And the way that they also have helped build the atmosphere as well, I mean, you have to give their hats off to them too because I, it seems like soccer fandom, as you mentioned, it's there's a lot more dedication into it. You can't just like be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go meet you guys at a game. It's like, no, this we got a plan. We got sure to get to the into the stadium at this time, and we're going to march in at this time. I, I like that level of dedication from the St. Louisans. Yeah, yeah you talked about the energy, and a lot of sports we won't be standing the whole game, but they will every game, every home game. They will be standing the entire time, so they absolutely bring the energy for us, which I think will be huge going through the season and kind of bringing us into the season real quick. We're two and zero. I know people have kind of talked about how some of the goals have kind of been given to us and. Is that a part of the script? That's a big thing, obviously, right now in sports. But how do you see us playing out the rest of the season? Do you think us possibly pushing for a playoff spot? I think, what was it, Jake, 80% of teams that win their first two games usually make the playoffs? It was, yeah, I think the last couple of years, all the new expansion sides joining the league, it was anyone that won two games off off the bat was given an 80% chance to make the playoffs. So I think 14 of the 18 teams that have gone two and zero the last, you know, couple like six or so seasons did make the playoffs, which no one was kind of saying before. So what's the pulse check, Brooke? What are we feeling? Are we tempering the expectations? Are we pretty optimistic? 
No, I'm all in. Like okay. I, I'm, fully, I'm fully on in. We're we're gonna ride this one out. And also another benefit, and I'm sure you guys have talked about, you have the playoff expansions as well. So that even helps them in that regard. Um, I think it, talking to them before the season started, the players, one thing that they felt like would be a huge difference maker for them is that, as I mentioned, you had those guys coming in earlier. They got a head start. Also, the confidence it builds in having like a training facility ready to go for you. I mean, for the players, that's that's huge in itself, too. And then on top of that, I, they, I think they like that people are underestimating them. That's the feeling I got. Yep. Spanish deal. He's like embracing that. He wants that kind of underdog mentality. He wants them to kind of have that chip on their shoulder of like, okay, well, you guys are downing us. We're going to show you this season, especially when they started out second to last in preseason rankings. I guarantee you that was like bulletin board material oh, for yeah. boots and the coaching staff and the players, even though they didn't say it. Um, I think too, their, you know, high pressing style seems to be something that helps them. I've noticed that there's been some writing where it's like, they've gotten lucky, right? We, we keep hearing that over and over with these first two wins, they've gotten lucky. I don't really think that it's luck because the way that they are, they're wearing teams down. I mean, it seems like teams you saw with Charlotte FC just couldn't keep up with them towards the end. So yeah, they're going to make a lot of mistakes that you wouldn't typically see at that level. I think that that's obviously a beneficial thing for them as well is how, but I think the biggest question is how long can they maintain that? That's a very intense style of play, but then that's also going back to the benefit of bringing in your players early and having, I think it's really great that they also have structured their leadership roles with Roman Berkey, his experience. We all know his experience playing in the Bundesliga. He is highly competitive having him as your captain, which the players chose and then having Tim Parker, a veteran in the MLS, having those two working together and yeah. helping these younger players, I feel like that's the perfect recipe for a successful season. And we couldn't agree more. I think a lot of people, like I said, are calling these goals lucky, but it really is tired legs after they push that hard. And hopefully we can sustain it knowing that we're not playing back-to-back-to-back games like other sports. Having a week off in the most part, some games will have a little bit more or less here or there, but... I think it is something they can sustain. And you've already mentioned two of the players. Who would you say is your favorite player, if we can put you on the spot? Oh, gosh. It's well, early. This, it's early. This, is, this better not get back to them, too, where they think I'm I, made, I, you know, I, I doubt they listen to this. So yeah, and when I say – when I probably, like – it's hard because it's like a toss-up right now between these two guys. Um, Edward Leuven obviously has been fantastic for him. I think that he has such a great presence out there, great leadership abilities – um, and then obviously Zhao Klaus um, is another one of my favorites. But what I like about them too the most is both of them have stated that they've been looking for a home. As we know, looking at their background, they've moved around a lot. Um, they're wanting a place that they can call home. And it reminded me a lot of when I was in Nashville, you know, with hockey, a lot of people, I know blues fans always make fun of Nashville hockey fans, <laughs> where they're like, oh, you don't know that much. I just remember there was a time that Nashvilleians really didn't care about hockey that much. And then you got a goalie in Pecorine. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yep, game. Absolutely. And a lot of the Canadian guys did kind of poo-poo or even the guys from out of States poo-poo, like having hockey in Nashville, like in the South, like, really, we're going to do this. These people don't care about hockey, but Pekka was like, no, I'm going to make this my home. I'm going to build in this community and he did. And it worked out really well for the Nashville Predators. Now hockey is huge in Nashville. You have kids picking hockey 
over playing football, which you would never think would happen in the South. And when Jao Klaus and Leuven said that, it reminded me a lot of that. These are two guys that see the value of continuing to build soccer in this community and making it their home and building a huge foundation here that will only continue to grow. Oh, I love that. I love that. And, and Brooke, we'd be remiss if we didn't kind of pick your brain about the big deal that happened over the summer with Apple purchasing uh, the rights to MLS. We've, we're two weeks in now. They launched it obviously pretty late, like right before the season started. I've actually enjoyed most of the content. I think it's pretty well done. And I feel like the reviews I've seen around the um, the community that I kind of circle in have also been pretty generally positive. I want to hear your opinion on that, Brooke, and how that's gone so far and where you think that'll that'll go in the future. I think it's absolutely great. And I've enjoyed Apple TV's uh, broadcast so far, too. I think having Taylor Twellman a part of it as well, St. Louis native and everything he's done for soccer. I felt with Twellman, he had to fight for so long to get ESPN to even speak about <laughs> MLS or soccer in general and to have a company that sees the value in MLS, I think is absolutely huge because the biggest thing, and I know that there's been so many people, we got so many texts this, this week about, well, I couldn't watch it. And I get it. It is really frustrating, but at the same time, I believe that's where things are going. Things are going towards streaming. We've seen, I mean, I've seen so many articles. We've all seen, you know, the fact that people are cutting the cord, especially in our age group. There's not going to be a day that all of a sudden where it's like, well, I'm going to go get cable. I'm going to, you know, just switch everything that I'm doing. Everything's going towards streaming. So I think that's Apple TV realizing that that's where the future is going. They know that they're going to take a little bit of a hit early on with it. And I think Don Garber even spoke about that this past weekend is like, look, we realize that it's going to take a little bit of time to adjust to this, but this is the way that things are going. And I think too, with everything that's going on currently with RSNs, which are regional sports networks, that a lot of teams and that's major league baseball, NHL are looking to see how things go with Apple TV and MLS and looking at that as a potential option as well, because I mean, look at what happened to newspaper. I say this to people all the time. I think that there was there was a generation that was like, there's no way that newspaper will ever go away. <laughs> I gotta have my physical piece of paper to watch, uh, you know, to read every single day. And, you know, not to be morbid, but that generation died out that expected getting a paper every day to consume their news. And to think that that doesn't happen in other media landscapes, I think is foolish. And you have to look towards the future and look towards streaming. And that's how most people are consuming things now. So I think it's great that the MLS is looking ahead and they're kind of pioneers in that regard of going ahead and pushing it forward. And 100 percent, the other professional sports leagues are going to be looking to that and probably following suit as well. Yeah, we think that MLS is really the most forward looking of the major sports. Our, our one question to you is on that. Where do you realistically realistically see soccer landing as among the top sports here probably 10 years as far as like growing i know it's obviously up and coming but still not even holding a candle to the nfl or anything like that do you see it kind of rising and being nhl nba or how long do you think that could take i can see that moving along especially a lot quicker because of what's going on with apple tv I think, you know, as Apple TV grows their broadcasts and you get people into streaming more, um, that it's only going to benefit the sport even more. It's hard to especially get up to that NFL level and what they've created. 
But even right now, what you see with RSNs, that's concerning the other leagues as well. And the biggest thing, too, that I've heard from people when it comes to RSNs is blackouts. And that's been Apple TV's biggest thing. Come over here. No blackouts. You can watch everything. Um, well, specifically with your game. But um, I think that's the biggest thing with growing the game is making it as easily available as possible. Because if you do that, then more people will watch. And then it can compete more with, say, you know, even the NHL. I think that it could compete more with that, too. And you're having a younger fan base in the MLS that is really tuned into it. So I, I can see it growing a lot more. How quickly it will, I think that's like the million-dollar question that I think that Apple TV would hire me to consult for them if I could figure that out for them. Um, <laughs> but I think that this will be beneficial. I thought it was a great move, and I think it will just continue to grow the name, especially, too, if you continue to bring over a lot of these big names from overseas to help grow MLS. Agree, I agree. And Brooke, we we have so we have a couple of fun questions we'd like to kind of end with. Uh, as, oh, as this isn't in the notes. I as we get towards the end here. Oh no, no, we'll keep it. We'll keep it light for you. These should be relatively. Easy. It helps. Yeah. It helps to keep us in the spot. Otherwise, you got to prepare. But this one should be easy for you. And I want to ask you. We're we're kind of big food guys over here. Um, you've been in St. Louis now for five years. I think that's a good enough time to be able to experience what the local food scene has to offer. Where will we find Brooke? What, what's, what's some of your favorite food around here? Oh gosh. Um, I love, it, it depends. It, it depends on what exactly I'm hungry for. I'm a big okay. pizza pasta kind of gal. So I love Louis Demont. I don't know if you guys have been there. Solid. Great Definitely. experience. Um, and then also something just like a quick stop. I love Buzz's Hawaiian, which I don't know if you guys have been there either. Not. Um, it's Hawaiian style food. Amazing. Like the chicken katsu bowl is fantastic. And they have masubi, which is like spam sushi, essentially. And uh, I eat that stuff up all the time. And the first time I had Emo's pizza, I so many people warned me. They were like, it's like cheese and crackers. I love Emo's pizza. I think it's like that's like go to for game days, different stuff like that. And sports bar wise, I'm a big fan of Obi Clark's, too. So okay. I have kind of like my different tiers of things. I love food. So you knocked it. You knocked it out of the park. I mean, yeah. that, for yeah. being off the cuff, that was pretty impressive. Hitting on a lot of different things there. That was, yeah. that was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, the first time that I actually heard your accent come out, you're like, I love Emo's pizza. Oh no. <laughs> so I, I have not heard it. No, you're fine. Don't be it, sorry. It's funny because when I was in college and I was interning and um, I worked for the college football team too. I bartended in Nashville, and so I did have a very thick Southern accent. My fiance can attest to it because he got to listen to some of my old stuff. So what I would do, I knew I wanted to get to broadcasting, and I had to get rid of it. So when we would have patrons come in from all over the country, you know, I would listen to how they talked, and I would mimic it. And I would just oh, keep wow. practicing while I was bartending until I could convince people that I wasn't from Tennessee. That's an awesome story. Huh. Yeah. I know that. It's it, my southern accent was, and it comes out. It comes out. I, was, say, I was, I, had, I didn't even know you had an accent. I know you're from Tennessee, but then you said that. I was like, oh wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so one one last fun question, and this also should be an easy one, maybe a harder question, I guess, to think about. But what would you say the best advice you've ever received is, as far as for sports broadcasting, being an anchor, and what would you kind of tell us? I mean, obviously, we are minuscule as of as of where we are right now right. but like what if you is it from a specific person or what advice or what have you learned throughout the years that you would try to give the listeners 
I would always say is to always learn from people. I mean, and that's absolutely everyone. I think especially if you're in the TV broadcasting business or just broadcasting business, you're in the communication business. So you should be able to go and talk to people, ask questions, um, you know, that you never know who might help you out later on down the line. Like even with my relationship with Randy, you know, Randy Carricker, mm -hmm. I would see him all the time at games. And our first interaction was I, I was listening to him do an interview and I'm like, wow, he's great at asking questions. I want to learn how to do that. So then I started messaging him and that's how we built our relationship. Wow. And that's what I tell people all the time is, you know, you can always learn something. You should never stop learning in general because there at what point in anybody's lifetime will you say yeah i learned it all there's nothing else that i that i can learn here yeah. this, is, yeah. this is it yeah i think that just taking in listening to people um actually talking to them and learning something from them that's that's the biggest thing i think that's the way that you continue to grow as a person and also empathize with people and have compassion with people is understanding and learning more from them and i think to, to finish us off with a shameless plug for you, Brooke. I learned a lot listening to the opening drive about all the things going on in the St. Louis sports scene. Tell the listeners about the opening drive and your new gig here with Randy and Carrie. Yeah. So it's a completely different shift for me. My like 10 years of my life in TV broadcasting, I've been doing 2.30 to 10.30 p.m. Now it's 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. So we have the opening drive from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., Monday through Friday with Randy Carricker and Carrie Davis, Super Bowl champ, and then just sliding me in. I, I wish I had something cool like that to to put in there, but they're ball awesome. Watching, ball watching guest. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, I mean, the they're both awesome. And I the feeling that we hope to give people who listen you know, that early in the morning is like you're like a bunch of friends at like a breakfast table just chatting about the biggest sports news. Oh, my light went out. <laughs> another one there we go <laughs> look and always be prepared that's my other piece of <laughs> um but yeah i i mean we just want people to feel like you're just coming in on like a conversation with the biggest sports news of the day with a bunch of friends so i hope everybody listens it's been yeah. exciting so far and this is my first full week and of course randy's out because that seems to be like the initiation into, <laughs> into radio with randy um, but he'll be back next week so everybody can hear us uh, all three together. Awesome. Well, thanks again for all your time today, Brooke. Uh, this will be an, a fantastic interview. I'm sure everyone's going to love to hear from you and your story and look forward to seeing you around the St. Louis scene and covering the sports from kind of every angle. But everyone tune into 101 ESPN from 7 to 10 to catch Brooke, Carrie and Randy on the opening drive. We love it. Uh, we are avid listeners. And Brooke, thanks again for uh, for coming on here. Hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, and I'm sure I'll see you guys at a game soon, too. You Absolutely. will. You will indeed. <laughs> Thanks, Brooke. Thank you. Thank you.